about your psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says I just whipped your ass. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. Hi everyone, this is Neil Pruitt from Neil Pruitt's Secrets of WCW Nitro. You may have heard this voice before, the New World Order. I was the producer and the voice for the New World Order. You're listening to the Wrestling Basement Podcast. This podcast has not been sanctioned by the New World Order. Hey everyone, this is Guy Evans, author of Nitro, The Incredible Rise and Inevitable Collapse of Ted Turner's WCW, and you are listening to the Wrestling Basement Podcast. Graham Matthews, Bleacher Report, Fan Sighted, Daily DDT, my man, how you doing? Doing great, Randy, how about yourself? Doing good, man, welcome again to the Wrestling Basement, Uh, you're getting comfortable here, you got some drinks, you got your couch ready, you got your snacks, You, you know, this becoming a second home to you, man. It essentially is. I mean, especially now with the hot weather, with it being mid-July as we speak right now. And uh, yeah, it's perfect to be down here in the cool basement. So again, I can't complain. (laughs) With the AC on, on full blast. Um, Exactly. You can find Graham on Twitter at WrestleRant. As I mentioned earlier, great work for Bleacher Report and Fan Sided Daily DDT. You can find me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-A-N-D-Y. The letter J C R U Z, and you can find the Wrestling Basement Podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and the Cruise Control Podcast Network. So, uh, we're taping this on July fifteenth. So, if you are a big time fan like me and you, uh, me and you are of wrestling, we would know that we are in this time frame of the summer of punk. So, CM Punk goes on to win the title from John Cena at the Money in the Bank in 2011 on July 17th. So uh, we're going to talk about the time frame before that, the time frame after that, um, his legacy, the impact he had, and what that whole storyline was. So before we get into that, so Grant, when was the first time you, you noticed CM Punk on TV, the first time you saw CM Punk perform on, on TV? Well, first of all, Randy, I'm glad we're doing this here today on, you know, the anniversary of the week of the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, which I'm going to be watching live on Friday, by the way. I'm doing a live stream of the show. Can't wait to watch it. And we'll get to that later as far as the pay-per-view is concerned. But I I could speak all day about the summer of punk. I know dates. I know matches. I know timestamps. I know everything. Wow. Um, But when it comes to CM Punk himself, are you asking me, I'm sorry, when you when, when I first became familiar with CM Punk or first started watching him? Yeah, basically, yeah. 
So I know he came into the company in 06, and I've said before, I didn't start watching WWE, professional wrestling, whatever, until 2008. So when I started watching, he was one of the first people I actually saw. Um, my earliest memories of the company, I mean, I've, of course, I've gone back and watched all their shit, obviously, on the network and whatever, and even before then. But my first memories of watching WWE actually included CM Punk. Um, I remember watching the 2008 King of the Ring tournament. I know we've talked about King of the Ring before and how mm -hmm. special of a, of a tournament that is. CM Punk was actually involved in the tourney that year as the Money in the Bank winner, um, losing in the finals to William Regal. And I wasn't a big CM Punk fan in his early years in the company. He had some really good matches and moments. I remember when almost exactly um, 12 years ago, June 30th, 2008, when he cashed in Money in the Bank for the first time and became world heavyweight champion. Mm. Great moment. Um, he went on to have a really good feud with Jeff Hardy, but it really, I mean, that was always a big Jeff Hardy, I'm sorry, a CM Punk fan, but it wasn't really until this point that I think a lot of people can say that, holy shit, like we really started to see him come into his own as a main event player. But yeah, I remember him from his early years in WWE working on Raw, SmackDown, the Jeff Hardy feud, one of the most underappreciated and underrated feuds in the last, I would say, 15 years in WWE, it was a really good storyline. Um, the guy was always a good wrestler, but it felt like he was kind of missing something until he turned heel at that point. Uh, I would say for me, um, again, I didn't know he was on that that car for, for John Cena entrance at WrestleMania mm -hmm. 22 until later on. Like, oh, shit, I see him punk. Um, see him wrestle. And, no, and and get a chance to notice him would have been around that Survivor Series time frame when it was him uh, with Jeff Hardy, DX, DX right? and somebody and the Hardy else. Boys. Yeah, the Hardy Boys, DX, and yep. CM Punk. Mm -hmm. um, probably one of the great all-time Survivor Series teams. So I seeing, agree. seeing him in there, ECW at the time, he became ECW champion, and you know his run would tag champion with Kofi and you mentioned with Jeff Hardy as a world champion um, him, him cashing in on Edge so you know seeing him and it's like alright the attitude the the tattoos and the whole aura of CM Punk a, a very early CM Punk um, I became a fan of his of his real quick and just seeing as you mentioned now with this the time frame of the summer of punk to see him the elevation of the character go from where he was in 0506 to 2011 it took him five years to get to get to this point and you know we could sit here all day like oh cm punk should should have had a a world title shot or he he, he should have been world champion before that but what you got to also understand is that that roster in 2011 uh, in this time frame with the john cena with the edge you know, Randy Orton, The Miz, Hunter, uh, Taker still around, Sheamus, Daniel Bryan, Jericho, Kane. You know, Brock was uh, a year removed, uh, a year away from returning. And mm -hmm. kind of my question to you is the fact that, you know, again, the company looks for a typical champion, you know, tall, big, brolic, muscle guy. Um, and, 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 and to some, Punk wasn't the guy that they thought in the beginning that could fit that mold, as I mentioned with the tattoos and the piercings and the you know, him dyeing his hair, and he was the exact opposite of what they were looking for as a champion during that time. But did CM Punk kind of set the tone of what we see today from the smaller guys? You know, different uh, in-ring style. He's a different alternative, someone who's really pretty much against the grain. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm really glad you asked that because even going before back in 2011, as you mentioned, as far back as like 2008, like I mentioned, when he cashed in Money in the Bank for the first time, won the World Heavyweight Championship, a big reason why that reign was not as good as it should have been and a reason why it was so overshadowed was because of the roster at that point. And that was when we still had the first brand split too. And that's not even including the stars on SmackDown like we had on SmackDown Edge was on SmackDown, The Undertaker, Triple H on Raw when Punk cashed in that World Heavyweight Championship, Briefcase, Money in the Bank, whatever, and became world champion. At that point on Raw, dude, you had John Cena, Batista, Chris Jericho, mm-hmm. Shawn Michaels, mm. JBL was still a top star at that point. Yeah. Rey Mysterio was on Raw at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, they were building up Kofi Kingston. They had a lot of star power mm-hmm. on Monday Night Raw back in 2008. Randy Orton was on the show at that point. He was hurt. Um, but they had a lot of star power that was overshadowing CM Punk. And he could have been able to hang with those guys, as he proved later on. The issue was that... Now, you know, they just weren't building them up properly, at least until 2011, as we're about to talk about. Um, but yeah, it's an incredible roster. And to answer your question about how we kind of ushered in a new era for WWE wrestlers in terms of kind of giving us something different from the prototypical John Cena's and the Batista's and the Randy Orton's of the world, who were all great. But Punk, before Punk, we didn't see many indie guys, quote unquote, from the Ring of Honors and the Impacts and, the, you know, other promotions and whatnot mm-hmm. come up and become a big deal. And I would say... The two people responsible for that, because at the same time that CM Punk was doing his thing in 2011, Daniel Bryan was also coming up as well. And on the same show where Punk became WWE champion, Daniel Bryan won the Money in the Bank briefcase, and that really elevated his career later on as well. Um, But yeah, absolutely. Punk and Bryan really, without them, I don't know if we would be seeing today the Rollins of the world and the Kevin Owens and the AJ Styles and people like that that come from other promotions and have found success in WWE despite not fitting that WWE mold that we've been so used to seeing for so long now. And I think the the, the bottom line is the fact that a lot of fans, when they see CM Punk, like, again, when they see John Cena, they don't they don't relate to John Cena, with all due respect. They don't relate to the Ortons and the Brocks uh, and, and, and Hunter. But when they see a guy like Daniel Bryan, when they see a guy like CM Punk, it feels like they're more relatable. They can feel like, oh, that, that's more me. When you dye your hair and you get tattoos and you get piercings all, 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 all over your body, all right, I can relate to that guy. So I think CM Punk, again, with 08, 09, 10, was a guy like the fans were like, all right, I, I still love Hunter and Taker and, and Mick Foley and, and those guys, but this guy right here that I see on TV who can wrestle, but more like makes me feel like I'm emotionally invested in what he's doing because I can relate to him more. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you need a mix of both, though, because you say that. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, they look like someone I would see in the grocery store. Why would I want to see them as WWE champion? And I understand both mindsets. You can't have it 100 percent both ways. Um, You know, like AEW gets criticized about that, about how they have everyone that doesn't really look like an overall superstar. I think it does help to have people that you can relate to. And also it helps to have people that are larger than life. John Cena is a larger than life. Triple H, Batista, Mm -hmm. The Undertaker, obviously people like that are all larger than life. But to have a world where it's all those people, and yeah, I guess we kind of had that back in, two, not 2000, um, well, I mean 2000 as well, but I'm thinking like the 80s and 90s. A lot of the characters that were on top at that point were all larger than life. And obviously the business thrived and whatever, but it's a different time now. It's a different audience. People want to see more people like Punk, 
like Brian, like Kevin Owens, that come in all different shapes and sizes and prove that you don't have to be 6'5 and 280 pounds to be a top star. You can be a great talker. You can have a great personality. Um, you can be a really, really good wrestler without being this big jacked up dude. So again, having people like that doesn't hurt. Obviously, I think you need a good combination of both, a good healthy mix. A Braun Strowman, for example, I don't think when you know, be found, he wouldn't be caught dead in ring of honor, for example, but he's been very successful because he's a big guy. He can go and he's, you know, charismatic and whatever. And he kind of fits the mold of someone that would have come up 20, 30 years ago. So yeah, I think it helps to have people like punk and Brian, people like Cena and Batista. Um, I, I think we kind of have that now in the current WWE, which I love a lot, but, um, yeah, I think a good healthy mix of both is great. Um, and I think there's a difference of like people who, are like the CM Punks of the world, you know, with that indie kind of style who just goes on to be a king of the ring or IC champion or tag champion or US champion. But being the world champion, I'm talking about the WWE championship, um, you know, that puts you in, in, in a different space. Um, mm-hmm. So I know we'll get to it later on, but since we're on this topic now, but like how important was it for someone like CM Punk to not only be successful in the company, being tag champion, U.S. champion, whatever, king of the ring, money in the bank, but being the WWE champion and to break that mold of what was customary for champions in that company. Yeah, I mean, you look at the lineage of the championship at that point. Going into 2011, um, off the top of my head, you had people like Cena hold it a bunch of times. Randy Orton hold it a bunch of times. You had, you know, you had the occasional fresh face. It's not like they were putting the championship constantly on the same old people. I mean, there was a revolving door for a couple of years there in the late 2000s of Cena, Batista, Orton, and Triple H that they would put the championship on. And I mean, rightfully so for a while there because they were proven draws, but you also at some point need to create new stars. And they attempted that for a little while. I mean, they put the championship on Sheamus a few times, and it wasn't Sheamus's fault. They just fucking ruined him after a certain point. I mean, <laughs> obviously, he rebounded because he's still there today. But, um, you know, they tried with him. They tried with Del Rio. Um, you know, he wasn't an indie guy. He wasn't, you know, as big as John Cena, but he looked like a star. So that was a little different. You know, they tried with them. They tried with Jack Swagger with the World Heavyweight Championship. That was a fucking flop. Um, you know, there, there was just this revolving door of the same people and then other people that they were trying to push that weren't really getting over with CM Punk. Um, it was cool because like you said, he had a lot of success where he won the money in the bank briefcase twice. He was the world heavyweight champion, but let's face it, dude, that championship did not mean, first of all, did not mean nearly as much as it did in WCW early two thousands, whatever. And it also wasn't on the same level as the WWE championship. By 2011, the World Heavyweight Championship was like akin to like the Intercontinental title is basically what it was. So until you won the WWE Championship, you weren't really considered a top tier performer. And it was the one championship aside from, I think, the U.S. title that Punk never held. Um, So for him to finally win it, to join that lineage was really, really cool and really, again, opened up a new door for people like a Brian and AJ Styles and people like that to win it later on. Yeah, I'm trying to look up who was... um you mentioned all the reigns. I'm looking at it right now for the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, okay, we got CM Punk. All right, 2008 CM Punk. Then you get Jericho, Batista, Jericho, Cena, Edge, Cena, Edge, Hardy Punk, Hardy Punk, Taker, Jericho, Jack Swagger, Rey Mysterio, Kane, Edge, 
vacated. Dolph Ziggler, Edge, vacated again. Christian, Randy mm-hmm. Orton, Christian, Randy Orton, Mark Henry. Then you get the Big Show, Daniel Bryan, uh, Del Rio, Dolph, Cena, Orton. And then it'll become uh, defunct in 2013. So, I mean, and prior to CM Punk was Edge, Taker Edge, Batista, the great Kali. Yeah. <laughs> Can't forget about that rain, right? <laughs> yeah. Can't forget it was about a that joke. Rain. The championship meant nothing by that point for the most part. <laughs> like, listen, it was cool to see people like Christian win it. Yeah. Mark Henry winning it was a huge moment. It was awesome. But like the championship, yeah. it, the, the reason why they held that title and not the WWE title was because it didn't mean as much. That's just the fact. Yeah. Um, what did you make of CM Punk? Okay, before he goes into Money in the Bank, he's, you know, with the Nexus and um, Straight Edge uh, Society where, it, to me, I can ask you, um, was that time frame of CM Punk in the Straight Edge era underrated, underappreciated? Because he, he, there's an argument to be made that he was the best heel on the roster at that time during this during this during this uh, this era. He was. He absolutely was. There's that great quote from CM Punk's documentary that came out about a year and a half later in late 2012 Mm -hmm. about how he was talking about how frustrated he was with the creative and not signing a new contract. He knew he just wanted to leave. And I think one of the, you know, the tipping points for him and nothing against the Miz. I'm a big Miz fan myself and I'm not sure if Punk is. I think there's some you know, animosity there, but he said in the DVD, I saw the Miz in the main event of WrestleMania and it pissed me off. Cause I knew that should have been me. Mm. He said that he was the best deal in the company at that point, which he was. But the thing is that, is that the Miz wasn't doing bad work. He was also doing very good work. Mm-hmm. It just didn't line up with what they, with what WWE was hoping for. Cause that main event, it didn't matter if John Cena was facing the Miz. It didn't matter if he was facing CM Punk, which it probably should have been because their chemistry was way better. Um, but then if they did, if they did do Punk and seen in the main event of wrestlemania that year yeah punk would have gotten a main event title shot he probably wouldn't have won i guess the miz did so who knows um but we wouldn't have got what we did later on in chicago but either way it didn't matter if it was punk miz or fucking Zack Ryder. that match was always going to be about the rock and the interference from the rock and setting up the wrestlemania 28 match with, with punk specifically at that point he was doing good work he was making the most of everything that he was involved in whether it was shit, whether it was great, he turned chicken shit in a chicken salad with a lot of that stuff. The Nexus, by the time that he took it over, mm. was damaged goods. The, the group had been buried beyond belief, and they won a few matches here and there. But after they lost at SummerSlam, a lot of people just stopped giving a shit about the Nexus. And the angle dragged on longer than it should have. They ousted Wade Barrett. He went on to join the or form the core over on SmackDown, which was terrible. Um, even worse than the new Nexus, which is saying something. They wanted to make it like a cult thing where they would have to go through like initiations to join the new Nexus, and it never really got beyond a certain level. It wasn't what Punk, I think, wanted to do with the group. Um, before that, he had the Straight Edge Society, which was great, and then they shut it down and buried them beyond belief as well. Like he was giving, he was he was making the most of certain opportunities, and then they would just shut it down before it really ever caught momentum. Um, by 2011, it felt like he was just an upper mid card guy. He wasn't going to win the WWE championship. He hadn't been involved in the world championship scene prior to this point <clears throat> in like two years. I think he went for the title maybe once in 2010 over on SmackDown, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Upon joining Raw, he was stuck in feuds, which I know you love, and I agree. Yeah. The rivalry with Randy Orton, he was stuck in for a while. And it was a great feud, and they had you know good promos, even better matches. The issue with the feud was that Punk lost every fucking match they had. Literally every match they had, he lost every single one. 
So it gets to a certain point where like the guy just lacks credibility. Uh-huh. Um, like I know he had a feud with Rey Mysterio real quick where they worked really well together. They had great chemistry at that point, but it really felt like they had no plans for this guy at all. He was involved in random matches month after month. I forgot. It. I don't even know if he was at over the limit um, the month before the capital punishment pay-per-view. I don't think he was. And if he mm-hmm. was, it was probably some random match or maybe it was a tag team match, I think. But anyway, yeah, the guy was just it was directionless as all hell. And um, if, if it wasn't for this storyline, he probably would have left when he did. Uh, since you went there, um, you know, you mentioned the Jeff Hardy feud was uh, very underrated with him and CM Punk. I feel like the the rivalry between Punk and Randy Orton, very underrated. Great match at WrestleMania 27, a WrestleMania that I really don't watch. At all, except for that match, uh, and Taker and, and, and Hunter. And you mentioned The Miz was in the main event against John Cena. Um, but yeah, I just want to shout out Orton and Punk for having a very underrated uh, rivalry with nine years ago. And um, since you went there as well, Miz main eventing WrestleMania 27 against John Cena, and Punk had the, the spot with Orton. Uh, to see a guy like The Miz in the main event but when CM Punk mm. is the world champion for like damn near two years and he can't main event at Wrestlemania I know you could be SummerSlam in the Rumble that's cool but there's, there's there's gotta be a reason why CM Punk never main evented at Wrestlemania um, and you could look at the Wrestlemanias he was champion uh, as champion a part of and be like hey you know why why not why not him and Jericho why not him and this and and I know one, one mania was the rock and Cena because they had a, a year-long build and I get that and then the rock comes back and he beats him at the rumble I know I'm fast forwarding but we'll we'll get back to that but what do you was it just bad a uh, bad timing was it they looked at other rivalries and fuse above the world title did they feel like CM Punk could be champion but he's not the main event to be in, in WrestleMania what do you as a fan what do you make to be the reason why, or the reasons why CM Punk never made main event in WrestleMania as world champion? It was just timing. I really do. I don't think if The Rock came back with a WrestleMania main event, Punk definitely would have been the main event of that WrestleMania, probably either with Jericho or with Cena again or someone along those lines. Because if it wasn't, I mean, Punk and Jericho was the second biggest match on that show. Brian and Sheamus was not main eventing WrestleMania. I mean, I guess maybe the end of an era match with Triple H and uh, actually that was the second biggest match on the show. Maybe that would have main evented. But I don't know. They had Punk and Jericho go on so close to the main event without actually having it be the main event that I get the feeling that probably would have been the main event. But I think it's really more a matter of timing. I don't think they ever said to themselves, oh, Punk's not a Mania main eventer. I mean, The Miz isn't. He wasn't. But the thing with The Miz was that he was in the right place at the right time. It wasn't about making The Miz a Mania main eventer. It was more about it was more about furthering the story between Cena and Rock with Rock's involvement in the match. Again, you could have put a fucking broom in there instead of The Miz, and it wouldn't have made a lick of a difference in terms of what ended up happening and how good the match was too, which was which is to say that it wasn't good at all. Um, but with Punk, again, just time. He could have main evented in 2011. They went with The Miz instead in that WWE title role, which they had been planning for a while. So I get it. 2012, The Rock main evented. 2013, he should have been in that match. I don't give, give a fuck what anyone says. That's another wrestling hell I'll die on. That main event should have been Rock versus Cena versus Punk 
in a triple threat match. And Punk has even said before, he didn't give a shit if it was a triple threat match and it was elimination and he got bumped in five minutes. Probably would have complained, as we all would have, but at least he could say he main evented WrestleMania. If the fucking big show can say that he main evented WrestleMania, then Punk should be able to, too. Um, but, you know, by that point, it didn't happen. And then by 2014, he was gone. So who's the, I don't know if he ever would have main evented after that. I know the Triple H match definitely wouldn't have gone on last. The WrestleMania 30, that absolutely would not have. Um, but yeah, so I think it was just a more matter of timing. And before 2011, he just wasn't quite ready for that main event spot in the main event of Mania. But yeah, 2011, 2012, 2013, all should have gone to him, but it was more a matter of timing. And unfortunately, the three years that he was at his hottest, he was at his hottest, The Rock was around. And The Rock kind of stole his thunder. And they got to mm. main event, the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. He eliminated, or I'm sorry, he main evented the Royal Rumble with The Rock, mm-hmm. which was cool. That was kind of like his Mania moment. Um, but unfortunately, it wasn't at WrestleMania itself. Right. Um, so so let's backtrack. So when CM Punk is the champion, uh, he main events TLC the month after against uh, Del Rio and The Miz. Then we get to the Rumble of 2012. Uh, I get the Rumble was the main event, but he defeated Dolph Ziggler prior to that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the so the Rumble goes on last. Chamber of 2012. He's, he's Chamber on, 20. Yeah, he defended the title that night. Yeah, but he's on. He's on first. Yeah, it was an opening thing. So the thing with Punk's championship reign, uh, before we go any further with it, is that. He kind of incorporated this into the story later on is that for as long as he was champion for the first eight months or so, the guy never made an event at a single pay-per-view. I think he made an event to TLC 2011. Um, but after that, like going into 2012, didn't mean event the Rumble, Chamber, Mania, back not Backlash. It was uh, Extreme Rules, Over the Limit, um, No Way Out was the June pay-per-view, or Money in the Bank, or SummerSlam. Didn't mean event any of those shows. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until Night of Champions in September when he defended against uh, John Cena in Boston mm-hmm. he, that he main evented again as WWE champion, which is terrible. AJ Styles kind of went through the same thing when he was champion a few years ago. Um, but yeah, it, it really did not speak well to the you know, the importance of the championship when they were slotting John Cena over Punk at literally every turn. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, John Cena and Kane in an ambulance match main evented Chamber 2012. And then right before that, oh, CM Punk went on first in the, in the Chamber match. So yeah, Kane and John Cena. We get to WrestleMania 28. We know Rock and John Cena main evented that. Then we get to Extreme Rules of 2012. And I believe that's Cena and Brock. So Punk went on two matches prior to that. Punk, Jericho, Chicago Street Fight. After that, Layla defeated Nikki Bella, (laughs) then John Cena and Brock. So, okay, so he's not made eventing, uh, what is this, Um, Extreme Rules. Then we get to Over the Limit. I kind of speak up. This is the worst one. This is terrible. John Laurinaitis defeated John Cena in a no DQ match. Mm-hmm. So After Punk, interference from the big show. So Punk def- d- defends against Daniel Bryan for the title in a 24-minute match. And then after that is right back defeated Camacho. Who the fuck is Camacho? <laughs> he's uh, he's in the Bullet Club now. I don't know if you remember Hunico and Camacho. They were a tag team, but yeah, oh, that's who on. that was. Come on, stop it. <laughs> and then John, <laughs> and then John Laurinaitis, John. Okay. Um, no Way Out. Was I here? Was I there for that? Yeah, I went to that one. That was that was in Jersey. Okay, Cena defeated Big Show 
in a cage match. And then Punk went on two matches prior against Daniel Bryan and Kane in a triple threat match for the title. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Talk about bad timing, huh? Money oh, Bank, terrible. Yeah, terrible. Money in the Bank 2012. CM Punk, Daniel Bryan again goes on fifth. Main event, John Cena defeated Big Show, Jericho, Kane, and The Miz in a Money in the Bank ladder match. All right. SummerSlam, 2012. Brock defeated Triple H. CM Punk right before that against the Big Show and John Cena, a triple threat match. See, mm-hmm. see a pattern here, man. Night of Champions, CM Punk defeated John Cena. No, in a draw. It was a draw, yeah. Oh, okay. All right, hold up. This this part is fun because this, this is really telling the whole this whole. Okay, CM Punk made events hell in the cell against Ryback. Yep. With Brad Maddox as special guest referee. I don't remember that match. Survivor That's Series. when um, Ryback walked into an undefeated, and that was his first loss. Oh, great. Uh, Survivor Series CM Punk made evented against John Cena and Ryback. Okay. Let me get to the TLC 2012. CM Punk is not on the card. I don't see. Dolph Ziggler defeated John Cena in a ladder match for the World Heavyweight Championship. That's, that was the main event. I don't see CM Punk on the card for this one. Then we get to the Royal no, Rumble. No, yeah, he was he was hurt for that show. And then the Rumble, he loses to The Rock. Yep. Wow. <laughs> I well, that's less than what forty percent of his uh, of his reign. He's he, he did not main event a fucking pay per view, let alone WrestleMania. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but why? he made it into a few. But yeah, it was it was it was very frustrating, and I was a fan at that point for me oh, anyway. No. I, I, that John I, I, Cena. I mean, that was really when the John Cena shit got out of control. The guy was main eventing pay per views. Okay, the Brock Lesnar match. I get it was Brock's first match back. The Rock match. I understand. He was main eventing the Elimination Chamber pay per view, which wasn't even an Elimination Chamber match that he main evented with. It was a fucking ambulance match with Kane. Like, who gives a fuck? Why did that main event? Why would why would a steel cage match with the Big Show main event over um, over CM Punk, Kane, and Brian, which was a very good match? Mm. And then the kicker was the John Laurinaitis match, which was fucking terrible. <laughs> main eventing over Punk and Brian, which if you go back and watch it, in my opinion, it's up there with the end of an era match is one of the best matches of 2012. Fantastic match. Um, easily the best match those two had together in WWE, and it wasn't even the main event. Like, what the fuck? The John, that's like if you have um, Roman Reigns in the main event of, of every pay-per-view, and they've done this at times with Reigns, but not nearly as bad as it was with Cena. Will they have him main event over like world championship matches where Reigns is involved in like throwaway mid-card matches? Like they did that a couple of years ago with like AJ Nakamura. They were on the undercard of a show and then like Roman main evented with Samoa Joe for literally no reason for nothing on the line at all. And uh, with Cena though, it was out of control in 2012. Right. That's why I mentioned earlier real quick, the fact that they believed in him to be champion, but it's like, all right, something, something to them said, we don't believe in you as much to main event or WrestleMania. Let alone fucking TLC and Extreme Rules. Like, come on. Like you said, John Laurinaitis and Big Show. Come on, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the WrestleMania thing I understand because, like I said, it was with The Rock. I mean, they had been promoting that match, dude, for a year. So it was terrible timing. Like, it really sucks that he was going in the midst of that long reign at that point because 
he should have main evented that show, but the rock match, you couldn't bet against it. It was the biggest box office draw in WrestleMania history mm-hmm. up to that point. So there was, there was no way they could go against that being the main event, but all the other pay-per-views, there's no excuse. And yeah, they believed in him, but not as much as they did John Cena. It wasn't a punk problem. No. It was, a, it was a problem with how they didn't believe in anyone at that point, except for John Cena. And then when John Cena left a couple of years later, and now he's a part-timer, you're in a big fucking, you know, you have a, you have a problem because no one feels as special as Cena because you didn't really put over anyone. You didn't really put anyone over Cena for a while there. I mean, I know Brian beat him at one point, um, but other than that, they didn't really have him lose a ton of matches. So, mm. yeah, it was it was a big problem with the punk reign. It was a great reign overall, still one of the greatest in the last 10, 20 years. I, I will go on record in saying that. There were a lot of good matches during that reign, mm. but the way they portrayed him and presented him on the show was easily the biggest knocking, you know, the knocking point against it. Uh, yeah, 434 days as champion, the longest reign of the 21st century, sixth in history. So, you know, we can look back at that at that time frame and he didn't main event didn't, and, and all that. But, I mean, for someone like CM Punk to be in the top 10, uh, outside of the top five of, of world title reigns, when you mention, like, when you, when you, when you hear that, you think Hogan and Macho and Cena and Stone Cold and The Rock and those guys. But then there's CM Punk, number six. So, you know, I guess you got to take it with a grain of salt. Um, I know we had the pipe bomb anniversary a month ago, and I think I will mention it again because th- th- this does tie into what we're talking about. But what is, um, again, we, we're nine years removed from that. He does a promo uh, on John Cena, The Rock, Vince, Hunter, Steph, Laurinaitis, just airing out his, you know, Frustrations, wearing a fucking Stone Cold shirt, sitting on top of the Titan drawn on on, on Raw, um, mm-hmm. and I know me and you have seen this promo so many times, but when you look at it and you try to dive into it, um, that promo happened on June twenty seventh, twenty eleven. What what is the legacy of the pipe bomb promo, and what did it do to 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 change the course of the company? Oh, it was huge. I mean, I think we discussed this a while ago when we ran down like the best promos in WWE history. Mm. And this has a place on that list for sure. And, you know, people will attempt to overrate it and everyone has their opinions, which is fine. But people will say, oh, you know, it was only so good because you used the insider language. And that's why all the marks ate it up. Like, get the fuck over yourself. Like, even at that point now, it's still a great promo for for a number of reasons. One, for the reason being that we had never really heard anything like that before going into 2011. You didn't really hear insider stuff. And yeah, that played into how cool it was. It wasn't the sole reason. But it's not like insider knowledge. Like he was saying, oh, this is a work, brother. Like he was spitting facts. Like he was saying certain things that we all believe to be true, but we never heard on television before. He brought up Brock Lesnar before he ever came back. He brought up Hulk Hogan. He took shots at Cena. He took shots at Rock. He mentioned Ring of Honor, New Japan, and saying that he'll leave with the championship. He was a Paul Heyman guy. That was a big thing, too, because we hadn't seen Paul Heyman in years in WWE by that point. Um, There were a lot of things about it that made an ordinary match with Cena challenging, I'm sorry, Punk challenging Cena at the pay-per-view, which by all accounts was no different than what they did a couple of years earlier. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but they did a feud back in 2005 with John Cena and Chris Jericho over the WWE Championship at SummerSlam. And it was a good feud. They had a couple good matches, Mm -hmm. but everyone knew Jericho was leaving. They didn't outright say it. They weren't saying, oh, you know, this is my last match. My contract expires on blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm going to leave with the championship. 
they just, you know, they were going to have Cena beat him and have that be it. And the Punk thing was going to be no different. And they weren't really expecting it to be this whole big thing until Punk cut that promo. They just told him to go out there and, and cut whatever promo he wanted. But he took that and made it something amazing. And he turned it into this whole giant storyline that I'm sure was never intended to be as big as it was. Because Punk was always going to leave. He didn't sign on the dotted line until like the day of the pay-per-view he had said. Um, but yeah, the promo was just so fucking good. It was real. It was intense. It, you watch that promo and it makes you want to see the match. You know, and it makes you want to do more research about punk and the whole feud and everything else. Just the way that it happened, it felt real. And I cannot stress that enough. You hear what he has to say. And everyone at that point, that was just around the time I started to use Twitter. Everyone was thinking, holy shit, you know, was this a, a work shoe or like whatever? Was this a real promo? Did he go off on the company? Because they cut off his mic, too. And then they abruptly went off the show. And again, they hadn't really done a ton of that type of stuff going into that point. A lot of people thought it was real. A lot of people thought, like, was he not supposed to say that stuff? What's going on? So uh, it, it really is an amazing piece of business mm-hmm. that just marked a turning point. The same way that Austin 360 marked a turning point for Stone Cold Steve Austin, the pipe bomb, as it's been called, the pipe bomb promo, marked a turning point in the career of CM Punk. Listen, I, I agree. I felt like him on the microphone... And we can do this now or later on. But when it comes to people on the microphone, he's got to be top 10. Uh, people who can, you know, talk their shit, make it, make it seem real. You know, him, the Stone Cold, the Paul Heyman, the, the, the Machos, the Flares, you know, those guys, Hunter. You know, when they're on that microphone, man, it, it, it's like it's, it's, it becomes so easy and effortless uh, for them. So when you when you got Punk with the pipe bomb promo and just every promo prior to that and following that leading up to money in the bank, you know, even with the, the thing with Vince about the contract signing, I need my ice cream bars. I want my own jet. I want CM Punk, the movie. He told John Cena, he's becoming the New York Yankees. And just, just all that verbiage is like, wow. Like, you know, again, you kind of miss that in today's uh, uh, era that you you just don't get and then CM Punk is one of the few that can really do that hold their own uh, on the microphone so during that time when you see him um, to me the, 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 the funniest one was when he had the megaphone in the ring because he knew they were, that they were going to cut him off so he said alright I, mm-hmm. I got a backup plan and it was like little things like that is like kind of grows the character more that it, 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 it's just not a, a regular match. There's a built-up story behind it. CM Punk is now a tweener of a bad guy, good guy, going against the grand, going against the authority like like like, like Stone Cold back in the day. Uh, people still resented C- uh, John Cena. Uh, the only thing that I probably wouldn't do, I, I think was Vince said if John Cena loses, he, he'll be fired. So I guess every time you have that stipulation... All right, the other guy's going to win now. That's the only drawback I have from that match um, in Chicago. And it's funny how Money the Bank was in Chicago. So I don't know if they had this whole thing played out prior, like months and a year ahead of time. Like, we're going to do the storyline and see him. No, no, no. No, Yeah, right? no way. Yeah. But I'm saying it's just, it just ironic that he's from Chicago and the following review is Money the Bank in Chicago with this whole storyline going on and he becomes world champion. And to me, what, probably the best Money in the Bank match they've had or maybe top three, top five moments. Um, and that's, that's where we at now, July 17th, 2011. You get Punk, 
You get John Cena, Money in the Bank. They go, I think, a half hour for the world title. CM Punk wins. And now, as a fan, you're thinking, like, oh, man, is CM Punk really leaving? Did, did he sign his contract? Will he ever come back? Again, to your point, it made it seem real. But what do you take, what do you take away the most from John Cena seeing Punk at Money in the Bank? I mean, we, I, I got to mention this, too, that the pipe bomb promo, as great as that was, there was way more to the storyline than just that, that mm-hmm. people should go back on the network and watch. Um, I think the next week on July 4th, it was a tape show, which was unfortunate. I think they taped it right after the pipe bomb promo, which I don't think people realized. Um, that show was taped immediately afterwards. So when they started taping that show and spoilers got out, everyone was like, OK, it was obviously fake, but it was a great promo nonetheless. And that was where they announced, oh, Cena, if you lose, then you get fired, all this other dumb shit. And I hate that they even put that stipulation in there because obviously they were never going to honor it. And when Punk did win, Cena never got fired. Triple H came back, prevented it from happening. It never really came to light. The worst part about that stipulation, dude, was that literally less than a year earlier at Survivor Series, they had a stipulation in a match between Randy Orton and Wade Barrett. where I think that was when Cena was with the Nexus. If Barrett won, then Cena was free of Nexus. And if Orton won, Cena was fired. And Mm. Cena was the special guest referee. It was called a free or fired match. Orton won. Cena helped him win. He gets fired. He never missed a day of TV. (laughs) He came back every fucking week until they rehired him a month later. It was Mm. one of the dumbest storylines they've ever done. Um, So I I hate the fact they added that stipulation to this match because it didn't need it. But yeah, you, you would think that, oh, did they build this up for a year? No, they didn't. Um, when Cena became champion, they didn't really have a long-term plan. It seemed like it really just like, oh, we're going to build him facing so-and-so at SummerSlam. Did not seem that way at all. It was just going to be another pay-per-view match for him to have. Because you got to remember, a month before this at the Capital Punishment pay-per-view, mm-hmm. he feuded with R-Truth for like a couple of weeks, beat R-Truth, and that was it. R-Truth was never featured in the, in the world championship picture again after that. So it was one of those things where with Cena, you just feed him different people. Oh, he beat R-Truth. Who's next? Oh, well, let's build up CM Punk. He's on his way out. We'll mm-hmm. give him one last title shot, and then Cena will beat him, and then have that be it. It won't be any different. And um, that obviously didn't really turn out that way because Punk got so popular that there was no way that he could leave at that point. And he had been planning his departure for a long time. Mm -hmm. They weren't planning that match for a while, but Punk was rumored to be leaving as early as like April of 2011. And this happened in July. So it was like three months where people kind of figured he was gone. And then they did that great contract signing on the July 11, 2011 edition of Raw right before the pay-per-view where Cena and Punk were negotiating Punk a new contract. Vince was there and he was like, oh, I want CM Punk the ice cream bars. And that's when the whole ice cream bar thing started. I want CM Punk the movies. I want my own private jet, blah, blah, blah. Again, just the back and forth there was awesome. The energy in the building at at Chicago, at Money in the Bank in Chicago, one of the greatest of all time. Just just amazing, amazing stuff. The match itself was great. Was it the best wrestled match of all time? No. Um, you know, people will say, I think this, yeah, it was a five-star match per Meltzer. People will say, how, how did this get five stars? But Michaels and, and Sean, I mean, uh, Sean Michaels and Undertaker from WrestleMania 25 did not. Well, yeah, Taker and Sean was a better wrestled match. This match, if you go back and watch it, I will not argue with you, does have its fair share of botches. They botch a bunch of stuff. Was it enough to ruin the match? Absolutely fucking not. I mean, yeah, it was a little sloppy at certain points, but the reason why this got five stars, and I don't know Meltzer personally, I disagree with his ratings a lot. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago here on the show, I think uh-huh. a week ago. Yep. We discussed it. Um, 
you know, with, with Meltzer though, I think a big reason why this got five stars was because of the buildup, the energy, the atmosphere, the story, the in-ring action was amazing. We weren't getting great matches all the time in WWE at this point, dude. Yeah, we had Taker and Sean, but like other than that, I if I said to anyone, how what are some great matches that you can name off the top of your head? Great wrestling matches. From that period, people would would fucking they would draw a blank because there aren't many. <laughs> what Rockins or I'm sorry, uh, Cena and Orton part 45. Like they didn't have many great wrestling matches at that point. Mm-hmm. This was one of them. Now you have one like literally every week. Like you turn in anywhere, AEW, NXT, Raw, SmackDown, even the pay per views. There's a great wrestling match that's on par with like from an in ring standpoint, on par with Punk and Cena like every week now. But in terms of stories, nothing can top it. Like the story was simple. They thought Punk would be this, you know, asshole of a heel. He wasn't. He ended up getting over into this, you know, huge tweener baby phase. People loved him. He had the new look. He got a new shirt that night. It just, it was unbelievable. It was definitely Aiken Asina versus Rob Van Dam at One Night Stand 06, which we talked about a couple of months ago, about about a month ago, um, with the atmosphere and everything else. It was just uh, completely on another level, and it absolutely earns the reputation that it gets for being one of the greatest matches in WWE history. Uh, a few things real quick. So before he wins at Money in the Bank, he does pin John Cena on Raw. He pinned Rey Mysterio at Capital Punishment and beat uh, Del Rio in a number one contenders match all within a week in June of 2011. So he was, I guess they said, fuck it, we're going to ride him and see where it goes with him and John Cena. A few things real quick. Uh, Looking back at it, what do you make of the CM Punk-John Cena rivalry? And is that the greatest rivalry for CM Punk? Well, two things I got to mention too. the early on before he even cut the pipe bomb promo when he beat Del Rio and Mysterio in a number one contenders match on Raw, which was a great match, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, he cut a promo saying he was leaving. He didn't announce in the pipe bomb promo that he was leaving. He announced in that promo when he became number one contender that he was leaving, saying my contract comes to an end on July 17th right. and I'm leaving as the WWE champion. That was it. And it was like, holy shit, like that's a that's a pretty big deal that CM Punk's leaving the company, getting a title shot on his way out, blah, blah, blah. No one really thought about, oh, it's in Chicago, like he's going to win. No one really thought about that. Um, but yeah, so with what they were going for early on, they absolutely followed the blueprint that Punk had done six years earlier in Ring of Honor with the initial Summer of Punk. And as great as this storyline was, the one in Ring of Honor was just as good. I don't know if it was better, but... Um, It was just as good. I mean, the guy, he was saying he was leaving. He won the championship in his final match. And then he cut this massive heel promo turning on everyone in attendance, saying, I'm leaving this dump. I'm going to WWE, which he did. Um, I'm going to sign the champ. I'm going to sign my WWE contract on the Ring of Honor title. It was such a great storyline that paved the way for what we saw in 2011. But as far as this feud goes, um, the match, again, one of the greatest of all time. People were saying it that night. I remember people still say it now, and I find it hard to disagree. When you come up with the list of the best matches, I'm sorry, best matches too, but best pay-per-views in WWE history, not saying this is number one, but it's absolutely in the top five. Um, people, I, 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 I feel like it's one of the first two that comes to my head just because I'm biased because I love the show and the match so much. But I feel like if you ask anyone, it, it's one of the first shows that comes to mind. People will say WrestleMania 17, and they'll say Money in the Bank 2011. Obviously, there's more. There's you know SummerSlam 02 and Survivor Series 02, which are amazing shows as well. Um, I'd really have to think of. I mean, I'm not including NXT here. I'm talking about like main roster pay per views. 
Um, it would, I, I honestly struggle to think of better shows than this one. Cause the whole show was very good. Like not that every match was amazing. Like Kelly, Kelly and Brie Bella, like who gives a fuck, but, um, you know, they had Mark Henry and big show go out there, do their thing. Mark Henry went over strong. He was super hot at that point. Brian becomes money in the bank. That was awesome. Christian and Orton had another very good match. Christian becomes world heavyweight champion. That was cool. Um, Del Rio won a money in the bank ladder match, which was, you know, made sense. And the match was good. So uh, it was just a great, great show. Closing it out on a high note. Punk wins. Where the fuck do we go from here? Great moment. Um, I will say that Punk has got to be seen as best rival. And that is saying a lot. Because Cena's had a lot of great rivals in his career. Mm. Um, ah, man. Um, I was going to say that it's up there. You know, I think the, the, the top two for me are Punk and AJ Styles. Now you can say Edge and Edge and he Edge and Cena had some great matches. You could say Shawn Michaels, which I wouldn't disagree with. You could say Triple H. The Styles matches were just amazing, and it really put over Styles as the next guy. Like Edge was already a made man when he started the feud with Cena. Styles was not mm. until he beat John Cena, and those were some of the best matches. Again, in, in, in my personal fandom, some of the best matches of all time, or at least in recent memory. Um, so I'd put AJ and Punk in there, but it's hard to sell against Punk. So I'd probably say Punk is his greatest rival, probably because their history, you know, spanned over the course of a number of years. They had their first one-on-one match in 09, and then they had a couple of matches against each other in 2010. Actually, the night of the Nexus debut, they were having a match on Raw. They had the matches in 2011. They had the matches in 2012 that you mentioned earlier. They fought in the main event of the 1,000th episode of Raw in 2012. They had that amazing main event on Raw, uh, Punk's last truly great raw main event in 2013 um with john cena that was amazing their final match ever and what a great note to end on but uh yeah i don't know if it's the great it's definitely not the greatest rivalry of all time i wouldn't go that far i don't think mm-hmm. um but it's up there I, I would say it's in the top 10 and i would say punk is absolutely Cena's best rival of all time but would you say john cena is cm punk's greatest rival um, yeah, probably. I, I would say so. Okay. I know Punk went on to have great matches. I think it might be even more – I think it actually might be easier to say that Cena is Punk's best rival than it is to say that Punk is Cena's best rival. And Punk had a lot of good rivals in WWE, but it feels like Cena, maybe just because he's been here longer, it feels like he's had more. Um, and that's just a fact. I mean obviously Punk's a better wrestler than Cena, or at least he was. But the thing is is that Punk wasn't around for long enough to really say he had like he had a lot of great matches. Cena's probably had just as many good matches in WWE, if not more, because of his longevity. And I that's that's a tough pill for some people to swallow, but it's a fact. Mm. Um, but with Punk though, yeah, I think Cena is his best rival. I mean, you could say Daniel Bryan, and they had you know they had that great match at Over the Limit. They had some really fun matches, but none that were on the level of the Cena matches, in my opinion. Um, the Jericho matches were good, definitely not as good as Cena. Uh, I, I don't even know. I mean, him and Brock had an amazing match, but that was just one match um, at SummerSlam, so I don't know if I would go with that. Uh, he and Taker had some good matches together, of course. Right. Man, I'm, I'm trying to think. There really, <laughs> really isn't a lot. Him and Jeff Hardy had some great matches as well, mm. but yeah, Cena. Cena is definitely oh, his I greatest see, rival yeah. um, of all time in WWE, I would say. Uh, two more before I let you go. Uh, you're a fan of his original theme or the cult of personality theme? 
both it's it's tough dude it's really hard to say like oh which one do i like more it's hard to say like how many people it's so rare for people in wwe first of all they get two actual songs as their theme song punk never had a generic rock song on the main roster Mm -hmm. maybe when he was working dark matches or an ovw but it's the night that he debuted in on ECW in 2006. He had this fire burns by Kill Switch Engage. He had that from the get go. And Orton, I know, used it for like a night or two in 06, I think, or that a year before or whatever. It didn't really fit in that well, so they gave it to um, uh, Punk instead. But yeah, it was it fits the character that the this fire burns fit Punk in that point. And then in the last time we heard that song was out Money in the Bank 2011. Yeah. And then Cult of Personality fit his personality, you know, pun intended, fit his persona (laughs) after Money in the Bank. Right. Um, Of the two, if you're asking me, gun to head, which one would I prefer? Which one do I like more? I say Cult of Personality just because it is a better song and it's so fucking catchy. I know people that aren't even fans that know that CM Punk's theme song because they've heard it so many times and because it is such an iconic classic song. This Fire Burns is a great song. But, you know, uh, you know, Susie Q on the street ain't going to know what this fire burns is. She will know what Cult of Personality is. Right. And that's why it's such a good song. And that's not the only reason, but I would say Cult of Personality of the two. Last one, Graham. Um, you know, we, we've seen the summer of punk. We've seen the 434-day reign as champion, breaking the mold, uh, being this cult icon for wrestling fans across the world. Uh, we still get seeing punk chants in arenas six years after CM Punk left. Uh, I think it'll continue once people, uh, they start going back into the arena, the arenas. But um, if you had to quickly say like, taking what you see from Summer of Punk and the whole rain and even afterwards and you know how we left, what is the, if he, if he never comes back to wrestle again, what is the overall legacy of CM Punk in the WWE? Um, it's a great legacy. I know he left on less than stellar terms, of course, but I mean, the guy belongs in the hall of fame. Not that that shit really means anything is that the hall of fame itself doesn't really mean a ton, but you know, he is a hall of famer. I mean, the guy was a five, a time world champion, dude. I was just thinking about that when we were talking about his reigns earlier, mm-hmm. um, three times at the world heavyweight championship twice with the WWE title. I don't really count the ECW champion. <clears throat> excuse me. I don't really count the ECW championship as being a world title, but he held that held the Intercontinental title, held the tag team titles, won Money in the Bank twice. The first person to win the match twice. I know Edge held the briefcase twice, but Edge was, Punk was the first person to uh, win the match twice. You know, main evented a lot of shows, never WrestleMania, had some classic matches, the matches with Cena, like I said. The Hardy feud was amazing. Um, had some really good matches in ECW as well. Uh, him and John Morrison always worked well together. He had a great thing going with Kofi Kingston. He and Jericho worked well together. He and Orton had some really good matches as well. Um, but yeah, it's a great legacy. Again, he wasn't there for that long, but neither was Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I'm not saying Punk is Stone Cold, but Stone Cold had a lot of great moments in the span of five or six years, as did CM Punk across every brand that he was on, led a bunch of factions, um, cut a, gr- a bunch of great promos, one of the few people that could work as a face and a heel. Mm-hmm. Um, he was beloved as a face, hated as a heel. He could talk with the best of them, like you said, one of the top ten talkers of all time, one of the best wrestlers they've ever had. Uh, maybe not as good as someone like a Brian, but still very, very good in the ring for that time as well. And uh, a lot of great moments. I know a lot of people have said to me over the years, you know, it was because of CM Punk and the pipe bomb promo that got me back into watching wrestling after kind of a couple of years of taking off, which 
I understand because 09, 2010, it was a fucking shithole of stuff that they were doing at that point. Very few things actually stood out as being good at that point in WWE. But Punk brought a lot of fans back, and rightfully so. He was you know, perfect for that time period. It sucks that he never came back and he left when he did. And who knows what other matches you could have had with the Kevin Owens you know, of the world and um, Finn Balor and Hideo Tommy when he got brought in and AJ Styles and people like that. But for as long as he was around for, he had a great run, and uh, that deserves all the praise that it gets. No, I, Listen, I agree. I think um, the legacy is there. The resume is there for, for fans to continue to, 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 to chant your name. They, they chant the name of an inactive wrestler while, rot, while watching active wrestlers. That, that, that right there tells you enough of what um, the impact he had, the legacy he, uh, he does have. Hopefully, he'll be in the Hall of Fame someday. You never know. He might come back to wrestle. You just never know. But at this point in time, it does not seem that way. But I think this this period alone is, is one one heavy part of the resume, and the impact is there. Like I mentioned, and just just, just to see him, um, you know, with the backstage stuff. I know that that's canceled, but just seeing him back in some sort of the the realm of, of pro wrestling uh, is it's great to see. And would I, as a fan, want him to come back to, to, to wrestle? Of course. You know, one match, two matches. There's so many guys he can go in the ring with still. Daniel Bryan, AJ, Seth Rollins, um, so many people. But if CM Punk never wrestles a day again in his life, uh, bottom line is he's a he's a, a first ballot uh, Hall of Famer. But, um, but Graham, I do thank you for coming on, man. Uh, the Wrestling Basement on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Cruise Control Podcast Network. You can find Graham on Twitter at WrestleRant. Great work for Beecher Report and Fan Sided Daily DDT. Graham, my man, thank you. Thank you, Randy. This has been great. And until next time, uh, you know, be the best in the world, as CM Punk would say, and <laughs> have a great one. That's right, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Randy. Take care. All right, Bye. take it easy.